I am delighted to be joined on this week's TRM podcast by Ornella Ancio, who is the Campaigns and Government Relationships Manager at the REC. Uh, And Ornella is going to share not only uh, what are the big campaigns that the REC are going to be taking to the government uh, to try and drive the agenda, both the the COVID-related agenda and the... um, about the world of work generally, uh, some really fascinating insights, and uh, and also we had a really really interesting chat about one of the uh, REC's big priorities, which is diversity and inclu- inclusion agenda within the world of recruitment. Uh, really fascinating insights about what Ornella's seeing, uh, about the survey they're doing, and about some exciting initiatives that are coming our way at some point. I didn't quite get the big reveal, but uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. So if diversity and inclusion is part of what you're uh, looking at and drive it in 2021, please do check out this podcast. Enjoy. So a very, very warm welcome to the TRM podcast to uh, Oronello Nisio. You are, new title, uh, Head of Campaigns and Government Relationships at the REC. Campaign and Government Relations Manager. You've just given me a bit of a promotion there with the No, we're, we're working together on this one. It'll come. Um, no, that's that's very. What is that? What is that about? That's um, what does that involve? So my role at the REC is really to um, to manage the campaigns and government relations functions of the organisation. So how do we campaign for better um, for better kind of treatment for our, our members? Okay. Um, several campaign priorities diversity and inclusion is obviously one of them um, but we have several other campaign priorities um, to really get the best out of so that our members can get the best out of their businesses as well um, so we're hoping to build stronger relationships with um, key government ministers and secretary of state um, in order to impact um, not only the budget which is up and coming but also the government industrial strategy post-covid where we think that's a great place and opportunity for us to to really lobby on behalf of our members Okay, and are you? We're obviously. I'd love. We're going to spend a lot of time on on diversity and inclusion. But are you able to share some of the other sort of campaign themes or priorities? Yeah, sure. So our main campaign um, themes, I suppose, from the team will be will be. Um, you know, we can divide it into two elements. So the first element is obviously the urgent nature of COVID business support. Um, As we know, a lot of the government's business package ends at the end of April. And so we're lobbying government to extend a lot of their um, business support packages. So extending furlough, extending the loan schemes, also extending the um, statutory sick pay as well. So that all employers are able to to benefit from that. And also um, extending the period of deferrals for business rates and also VAT as well. And a reduction in in national insurance contributions uh, where previously, you know, reductions in taxes have been along with corporate tax, but not everyone pays corporation tax. So we think kind of, you know, safeguard more jobs and increase investment into the economy. Government needs to lower the cost of employment for businesses. So that's, that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is looking post-COVID. So obviously, you know, we've, we've left now and how do we take advantage of this um, in terms of trading? And, you know, as we know, di- you know, recruitment, the recruitment industry is one of the industries in the UK, which is actually one of the largest um, in terms of space and scope of our recruitment industry. We are third just behind Japan and the US. So, you know, the UK recruitment industry is really a source of pride there, and it brings a lot, um, not only in economic values, um, I think it's like over 80% um, 
billion in terms of gross domestic product is produced from the recruitment industry. But there's also a social impact that the recruitment industry has. Every two seconds, every 21 seconds, sorry, um, a recruiter places someone in a job. So, you know, we have a great a value mm -hmm. to but also to society in the UK. So the second part of our campaign focus is looking outside of COVID. How do we build a how do we build a labour market which has opportunities for all, where flexibility is on both sides, so the workers can choose how flexible they are, but also businesses have options in terms of flexible working arrangements that they can also offer up their workers. Key to that is also diversity and inclusion, but there's also other things as well which were on the pipeline um, pre-COVID that we want to to push for as well. Um, and also equal out the level, uh, making a level playing field for our members. So we know that in some industries, our members are, in some sectors, our members are really struggling to have an equal playing field. Um, this is very apparent in the health and social care sector with the banks arrangements. So we're hoping and lobbying for an equal level, play, an equal level, level playing field for our members um, in those sectors as well. Mm, absolutely fascinating. It's interesting, you're talking about the budget, which isn't that far away now. Yeah. Um, and the government have got their hands full, um, as as we know. I mean, it, it, from an influence point of view, are we um, are you on? The, are you feeling that it's the campaigns on the front foot, or is it um, trying to fight for bandwidth and um, talk time? I think it's on the front foot, and I think it's um, you know, particularly with the our ask around COVID. You know, the government is very aware, and this is something where there's complete uniformity across the business. Um, you know, across numerous business industries so you know the cbi are calling for the same thing so the business the, the the chamber of british commerce they're also calling for similar things so this is really one of the first times in 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 our history where businesses are kind of coming together and saying actually this is what we need and there's a real uniform voice but also with um with the unions so just last week we sent out a letter to the education minister and also the chancellor um more support for um, suppliers into the public sector. So what we want is, we want there to be an alternative to the PPN, which was stopped at the end of October. Um, now the PPN was a public procurement note, which gave, um, which allowed local authorities and public services to pay suppliers in advance so that they were able to kind of, you know, um, carry on with their, uh, their contractual obligations during yeah despite the kind of, you know, the, the, the mess, as it were, that was going ahead. Now, that ended in October, and since then, a lot of public suppliers have been left kind of like to, you know, left out on their own, as it, as it were. So yeah. they're replacement there so that they're able to furlough their staff and also that they're able to complete their contractual obligations and provide the services that are crucial and that have been crucial during this pandemic. And out of interest, just quite into when you talk about the unions and the CBI, I mean, is it a coordinated approach? Is everybody coming from the same place? Um, so when you present when you present your campaign, is it is it a shoulder to shoulder campaign, or is it the REC doing it in one space and then the CBI doing it over there? I think it's um, in some areas it's very much a coordinated approach. Um, yeah. so I mentioned two weeks ago, we you know we set out with the teaching unions to put out a letter um, so that the government can help with the furlough, the cost of furloughing supply teachers because obviously demand has been halted um, because of the school closures and with no income coming in, it's impossible for education agencies to furlough their staff because they still have to pay the national insurance contributions and pension costs for those supply teachers and they have no income coming in whatsoever. So yeah. we can 
with the union to write a joint letter there because that's an area where they also see value. Um, so in some areas, it's very much a coordinated approach. And in other areas that are more kind of niche, I would say, other, other bodies have been leading on it. But, you know, for instance, the support scheme for, um, for, uh, for limited, directed, limited directors, that's something that's very much a coordinated approach as well. And that's gotten a lot of support across. Yeah. Led by the Federation of Small Businesses, you know, it's something that the REC have, you know, have supported, because um, we also recognise that there needs to be some level of support for limited direct, limited company directors. It's not right that you know that they've been paying taxes and contributing, and yet you know they have not been able to to access any of the self-employment income support schemes that are out there. So mm. it's not much. Um, we're seeing consensus across a lot of things in business, which is great. And I suppose the uh, with the pooled data that you can pull together from the union and from all the other bodies, then then actually that that creates a compelling uh, compelling case, doesn't it? Yeah, the argument is much stronger. I mean, it's easy for government to you know to to argue against one organisation, but you know when there are 20, 30 odd leading business industries and and unions, you know, saying the same thing, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, 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 fantastic. No, re really, really phenomenal agenda agenda there. Um, and you've always got the, the time up until, until the budget. I, I want to move, um, I want to spend some time talking about diversity and in inclusion. We were, um, we had uh, Kevin Green involved with our CEO peer groups and he, he was sharing that a, a survey he does with senior uh, influential HR practitioners and influencers. Um, uh, last year, diversity and inclusion was number uh, eight on the agenda. The year before it was number nine and now it's number number one. Um, sorry, it was the year before. So yeah, L last year it zoomed right up to the top top of the table. Um, where, um, and, and I know at the REC you, you're putting huge amounts of investment. You're doing a big survey at the moment, which is going to reveal some fascinating fascinating results. Anybody listening who hasn't done it, please do it. Um, where where what how, where do you think the state of diversity and inclusion is across the, re the recruitment industry? How do you sum up where we are now? I think where we are now, we are very much at a tipping point where um, I think we've gone past the, the ages of and now a lot more companies and you know agencies are going into the action part of things, which is very encouraging to see. You know, we've seen a lot of businesses being woken up um, by the need to, 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 to increase um, equality within the labour market, which is great. Um, and so at this stage, I think I'm very hopeful. I think others around me as well are very hopeful. You're, so you're you're seeing more traction than ever in terms of what what, what uh, people are doing, um, and just your, your survey. When when can we expect to see the results of that? Because I'm really looking forward to seeing what that says. So hopefully by March, um, and just a bit of background on the survey. So the REC and APSCO have teamed up to do the first ever um, diversity and inclusion audit of the recruitment industry. We think that the recruit recruitment industry has a key role to play in obviously driving inclusion um, and diversity within the labour market. But in order for us to really be drivers and to be taken seriously, we also have to kind of see what's happening within our own industry and lead from within. Um, so this industry, will, this um, audit, sorry, will really look at what the state of diversity and inclusion is within the industry. Mm. Um, we're, asking, we're asking individuals who work in the recruitment industry 
to tell us not only about their own demographics, so their backgrounds in terms of, you know, what their age profile is, um, you know, what their, um, if they have disabilities, what their sexual orientation is, what their ethnic, ethnic ethnicity is, but we're also asking for experiences because I think, you know, demographics can say one thing, but experiences really tell you and give a real as to what is happening on the ground. So we want to hear from people as to what their experiences has been like, has been working within the recruitment industry. Have they found that it's an industry where they can progress or do they believe that their progress has been hindered by a particular protected characteristic? Um, so we want to find out who the people who the people working in the recruitment industry are. We also want to find out what their experiences are, have been. Yeah, and, and much of that is going to be anecdotal and get, get, guessing as part of, part of the survey, which, which is going to, as you say, is going to be absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, and, and is that an annual thing that you're going to be repeating every year? Yes, that is the plan. This is the first time it's been done, um, but moving on forward, we would like to repeat this annually, just so that, you know, the first one will obviously allow us to benchmark the next couple um, diversity and recruitment um, survey audits, just so that we can see if there's been any progression within our industry. Hmm. And, and from an employee point of view, because obviously you, you, you surveyed businesses as well, but from an employee point of view, what are you expecting? From an employee point of view, uh, I think it's difficult to, to expect anything because this is really the first time it's been done. Um, I think the last kind of piece of evidence I saw around the diversity and inclusion, the state of diversity and inclusion within the recruitment industry was a survey that came out in 2016, and that was a gender breakdown within the industry. Um, so really, it's, it's anyone's guess what the survey will, will reveal. Yeah. Fantastic. No, re really interesting. The um, and and what when you see you know you hear from um, many of your members um, when you see leading edge recruiters who are who are who are driving the agenda who are embracing best practice. What are they doing specifically that you would you would like to see others do doing? How they how they how they bringing it to life? What are the practices that you're seeing? Well, one key practice, which is amazing and I think has been key to a lot of success, has been the collaboration. Um, so where we've seen recruitment agencies really lead in diversity and inclusion, those have been the recruitment agencies that have been working collaboratively with, with others. So they work collaboratively not only with, the, um, with their clients in terms of helping them right at the beginning to kind of formulate a strategy for their DNI work, but they're also reaching out and working with consultants who specialize in diversity and inclusion. They're reaching out and you know working with training providers to make sure that their own staff have training, whether it be unconscious bias training or training in new in new innovative techniques. So they they're agencies that constantly have their finger on the pulse as to what's happening and they're very much engaged in the conversation. Okay, fantastic. Um... And that, and again, for that, that's got to be that's got to be um, up the agenda, isn't it? That's got to be prioritised by, by the um, by the by the business leaders. Um, yeah. And it was interesting. I was speaking to um, somebody that, who who felt uh, was aware of what they should be doing. It's been a really busy year for everybody. The last twelve months, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And you know, he, he the guy was just saying to me, you know, I've just got to get it to the top of the agenda because I've been sidetracked by keeping the business going, uh, getting everything ready for 2021, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm hearing just, just an awful lot more in terms of great practice, um, uh, conversations, um, diversity and inclusion champions within, within the businesses. Yeah. So we're, we're about to set up a group for, for DNI champions within our, our, our TRN members. 
Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, as, as you just said, it just seems to move, have, the traction seems to be there, doesn't it? Which is... Yeah, it does. And, you know, although we are realistic and we do businesses are in a very difficult position at the moment with COVID, you know, after almost a year now of kind of stop and start, um, yeah. being halted, being gone, lockdown restrictions being lifted, then being put down again, you know, cash flow pressures. We understand the, the, the enormous pressure that businesses are under, but at the same time, it's equally encouraging to see that despite the pressures that they're under, they're still, you know, maintaining a focus on diversity and inclusion, which is great to see. Um, last year we had a diversity and inclusion um, forum and we had several speakers and one of the speakers was from the CBI and she mentioned that actually they had a survey done and diversity and inclusion had actually moved up their priority list and so they surveyed, um, they surveyed leading business leaders in January and then they surveyed them in June to find out what their key priorities were and diversity and inclusion had actually increased for them. And that's despite COVID, you know, so that's, it's, it's very encouraging to hear. And it's also, you know, I think we need to get past the point of diversity and inclusion being seen as an add-on, um, yeah. survival tool for businesses. And, you know, it's now more than ever, diversity and inclusion would be a great asset for any business. Yeah. And again, recruitment is, is not, not unique, but, but the, the very fact that actually the products we supply are humans, yeah. Um, that means that we've we've got the internal the internal best practice in doing it right which yeah. which is always going to come from the business leader saying this matters and i'm going to do something about it but mm -hmm. but equally you know as, as you were talking about the collaboration the conversations with with, with clients that, that are and should be should be taking place i think that's a really interesting uh piece uh, and 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 occasionally you know there are we come across people who are slightly mystified in terms of the best practices, there's a lot you can do. Um, but it strikes me that actually, if you start doing things, you will get the momentum. And if, if the intention is there, then the continual review and sharing and observing and listing just will help you get better and better. And if, and if everybody across the industry is doing that, then happy days, we will get to a better place um, quicker. Yeah. Um, and you know, we do recognize that there are restrictions um, and there are things that recruiters have to kind of, you know, have to. There are hoops that need to be jumped through, um, and and also, you know, although recruitment professionals are a key player in diversity and inclusion, we know that they're not the only player. But the most common way of recruiting is actually word of mouth, so that's something in itself that also needs to be addressed and looked at. So not all recruitment even goes through recruitment professionals. Um, but yeah, it's it's how do we how do we raise and how do we elevate um, the service of recruitment? so that it's seen as something that companies should invest in and they should work with professionals in and it, you know they shouldn't just leave it up to those anyone in their organization to kind of you know recruit someone that they know or you know we, we see a lot of those practices which are very um they you know they go against diversity and inclusion but a lot of organizations have these practices of allowing their own staff existing staff to kind of go out and you know search for for, for their next campaigns manager and if they do if they're successful and their friend gets it then you know they get a bonus as well and you know that kind of recruitment although you know it's great for staff to get a bonus <laughs> if they're able to secure the next um the next colleague it's it also limits the pool the talent pool that an organization go into and it also just repeats that kind of recruiting in your own in your own likeness really if yeah 
all your staff members are just recruiting from their pool of friends and then their pool of friends are just recruiting from their pool of friends then how do you get that destructive innovation how do you get someone an outsider to come in and actually you know look look at your organization and say well actually this is a bit you know we can actually do things better here and you just won't get that if you keep recruiting the same people from the same backgrounds yeah and and it is as you say there is a there is an approach there is there is there is best practice there are practical things that you can do you've just got to stop and give yourself a little bit of chance and as you say work with the experts to um to understand what that looks like um it is about the you know it's about the willingness to get it up to the top of the agenda mm. um and, and and then you can make some serious progress and are, are you seeing are you are you are you seeing the um are you seeing some good traction um uh with, within the larger organizations who quite often have the resource to do the, uh, something a little bit more than others do? yeah we are we're seeing a lot of them so at the rec we also have the good recruitment collective which is a group of um, in-house recruiters and they work for you know some of them work for very large employers so you know Virgin, Plainsbury's and public sector private sector so it's a good mix of, of, um, of in-house recruiters and we're finding that for them diversity and inclusion is so topical for them and it's just so important for them um, but it's so important that DNI strategy doesn't just stay within HR uh, because obviously if it stays within HR it just doesn't get anywhere it's something that is the organization um, and it just can't be left for hr it needs buying from right at the top yeah and it feels it's quite a quite an exciting you know the, the the big the big corporates and and people working with the big corporates will um will uh will get there and yeah. um and uh but for the smaller 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 business whether that's recruitment or otherwise actually you can be a little bit more agile than the, the, than the big big employers. So actually, you can move quick and actually position yourself far mm. better as a great employer, embracing DNI, etc., etc., et et and taking that taking that to market. So I think it's a great opportunity for for people to um, really stand out as good practitioners. Mm. The, the 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 other uh, I would I'd add a um, couple a couple of um, people from Holland who are on my uh, on the podcast. Uh, few months ago and they were uh, they advised the UN on the next generation mm. and it was, it was really interesting one of the things they said is that our generation which is certainly not my generation but our generation as in the next generation whether whether you Z, call them Zs or whatever uh, they want to see action they're bored with words they're not impressed with words they want to see evidence and action which is which again just reinforces if if as an employer if you want to attract the best team the best talent you better be all over this. Yeah, I mean, and I totally agree. I think we've had years and years and years of reports coming out, you know, looking at the state of um, the state of the labour market in terms of diversity and inclusion. We've had so many reports with recommendations, and it's now it's time really for action because we know what the business we know the business case. You know, we know that it makes sense from a business point of view to increase diversity and inclusion in in the labour market, and we also know that there's a strong moral case for it as well. So at the mo- at, you know, as I mentioned, now it's really just a time for action. Yeah, yeah. No, exciting, exciting. I think think that'll um, be really good. And ju- just as an organisation, how how can the how how do you, how are you helping practically helping recruit recruitment agencies to get get to the where they where they need to get to? So as I mentioned before, we've got the survey coming out, which I think will be great. Um, because, you know, if we can get. Um, recruitment agencies to improve the diversity and inclusion within their own organization and that would automatically help them 
in terms of, you know, being there to attract diverse talent from other organisations. So that's the first thing we want to do is just measure up the, our own industry and how we can, you know, how we can increase diversity and inclusion there. Um, that will help us bring new ideas as well into how do we attract more people, how do we attract um, diverse talent for other clients. Another important piece of work we're doing at the moment is we are, we're doing a product review of our, um, our, of our existing products on offer for members at the REC. Um, and we're looking at what our diversity and inclusion offering is for those products. And um, we've got some great news and some things in the works. Um, I can't say anything at the moment because I don't want to spill anything. Bad. That is a tease, Ornella. That is a tease. Uh, I can't give excuses at the moment, um, but there are there are some exciting things for our members. And I think from from our research and from looking working with the product review team, we've really ident to identify what is it that our members need, like what is it that's going to take them to that next step. We've actually come to see that there are there's not one thing, and that members are at different points in their in their diversity inclusion journey, as it were. You know, so it's about how do we provide our members with a framework from which to work with, um, and then also how do we provide how do we give help to all the members at the different stages. So we have members who are amazing at diversity and inclusion and are really leading the way. So how do we then celebrate them? And how do we share their best practice amongst other members and keep them engaged that way? So how do we celebrate their success to encourage others? Then we've got others who are just starting their journey. So they're asking a lot of questions. You know, they might, they might be quite asking questions around the Equality Act, but they might be asking questions further ahead, like what's the best practice out there? You know, well, I've heard of this scheme and this kite mark. What would you recommend? So it's about educating them on the best approach for their business because every business, every recruitment agency is in a different space but also depending on the sector that they work in, the diversity and inclusion challenges might be a bit different. So for instance, we have members in the construction industry where you know, one of the biggest, um, one of their biggest diversity and inclusion um, issues is getting more women in construction. Mm. Uh, so that's a key thing for them. And you know, we've got members that are doing great things around that, whether it be working with schools, whether it be, you know, really sitting down with their clients to discuss what the what the personal spec is and how flexible that is and really having that talk with clients. Um, and then they're also doing member, you know, they're also holding networking schemes. So outside of the recruitment process, they're looking at building their talent pool so that in the next five years they have a pool of great talent to pick from for the mm -hmm. next um, you know, how do we educate more of our members to kind of take that approach? And then there's also members that haven't really started their diversity and inclusion journey. Maybe they're good at certain aspects, but other aspects they don't really, you know, they, they don't know where to go with. Um, and this could be true, or they believe that they're already doing great work. This could be true of um, recruitment agencies that work in health and, and health and social care. You know, the NHS is one of the most diverse largest employer in, in the UK and it's also one of the most diverse employers as well they may feel like oh actually we've already got you know diverse candidates and it's just because of the nature of the work that we do but then it's about elevating that and seeing that okay where are those where is the diversity there is it just concentrated in one particular pay grade is it you know how do we then push up diversity inclusion so that it's all across the the spectrum right from executive right to senior board level so you know it's i think different organizations are at different stages and have different issues um, and at the rec at the moment we're really trying to compile a package that will address each each different need for each different organization yeah no it's absolutely fascinating i'm going to give you one last chance on ella uh, to give me an exclusive on this one <laughs> exactly what i'm not going to get it am i i'm not getting this <laughs> no that sounds that sounds really exciting when can we sort of expect to hear um uh, when will you be in a position to reveal so the second quarter of this year 
Okay, fantastic. Really, really exciting. And actually, I was just thinking about what you said earlier about the you know 2016, the last time a survey um, took place across the industry, and it's all about gender, yeah. um, which is great. But obviously, it doesn't 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 cover the, the, the various uh, uh, parties that should be represented. Um, so so progress is progress is happening. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the biggest pieces of progress that we've seen is that, you know, trying to move organisations and, and people away from thinking about diversity and inclusion in silos. So tackling each protected characteristic as it goes. So, the, you know, normally what previously what we've seen is or an organisation will make a strategy for women, then they'll make another strategy for like, you know, more disabled candidates. And then they'll, and sometimes it becomes a bit of, um, I call it oppression Olympics. <laughs> so trying to weigh up and if you if you if you view diversity and inclusion in these kind of strict lens you you limit yourself in the progress that can be made because of course we know that there are women who are disabled so you know what, what, what's the package there it's yeah into these boxes and it's about creating a divert viewing diversity and inclusion in a holistic in a, in a holistic way and yeah. seeing an individual first and foremost and recognizing that actually they may they may have one they may be in one box because of so they might have you know limitations in their journey because of their age for instance so mm. let's that, but then also recognizing that oh if they're a woman or if they're also disabled or if they have long caring responsibilities that's also going to impact on them um yeah. it's about creating holistic approaches to diversity and inclusion yeah yeah no absolutely fantastic. can't wait to see the survey and hear about the package if, if i ask you for one inspirational pers person in the field of uh, uh, diversity and inclusion an expert that maybe we should follow a thought leader an inspirational business leader who would you be uh, who would you be recommending i'll put you right on the spot there oh you put me yeah you really have put me right on the spot um but i will highlight um one of the i'm trying to think what her title is actually um but <laughs> Carmen from Pertemps, I will highlight. Um, and Pertemps are doing great work at the moment with the Crown Commercial Services yeah. on how to build more diversity and inclusion, how to support recruiters and end clients um, being more diverse and inclusive during the procurement, um, during the procurement um, process. So okay. the procurement process and how, where there are opportunities to get, um, to get recruiters and also end clients to be thinking more proactively in terms of diversity and inclusion. So that's a great Work that she's doing at the moment and um, that the REC are supporting with. Okay, Carmen from Pertemps. Yeah, I would, I should really get her surname. <laughs> we'll get it. No, we'll get it. That, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, Onella, um, and, and just your to sum up your sort of optimism uh, for 2021 about diversity and inclusion in, in recruitment, uh, where are you at? I'm feeling very optimistic. Um, of course, we know that the labour market has been through a lot. And in times of recession, we know that, you know, the groups that are already marginalised, they usually during the recession period, they're doubly marginalised. So in the last recession, we saw that young people, you know, over 1 million young people were unemployed. But then the figures for young people who fell into the um, BME category was even higher than that. So, you know, it's, it's, we know that the recession will come and we know that those hardest hit will probably be those who are already facing challenges in yeah. the market. But at the same time, I'm very optimistic in terms of the conversations that I've been having with business leaders and also the conversations that are happening in government as well. So I feel like we're on the right, we're on the right road. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm seeing the traction all over the place. Well, no, that's been absolutely fantastic. Can we, um, can we, we maybe regroup in six months time? And uh, if, if you're happy to come back and tell us what you see, and that would be, uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I'd be happy to.
Brilliant. Thank you for joining us very much. Thank you for your insights and uh, and a little tease about what's coming in Q2 from the REC. Can't wait and really looking forward to the results of the survey. So thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again in six months. Thank you for having me.